And here we go. Another episode of the Sports Q. It is CG, joined by Texas Mike one more time. And this is going to be one segment, one long segment. Hopefully you guys are tuning in, listening. Uh, hit that subscribe wherever you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, all of our streaming channels. But Texas Mike, what's going on? Before we jump into some of the football action, let's talk about some of the football action that is just happening right now. We watched some of these early games. Two really solid games that are setting up for some action next week as well. Yes, CG, as we hit into episode number 34, the number sweetness comes to mind, and that is really what came to a head here in these late college football games with TCU. I mean, just coming back after that terrible drop on the two-point conversion, terrible pass, able to march the length of the field and then get their kicker on the runout and drain the 52-yarder down the pike like he could have hit from 60 in pretty cold weather over there down here in Waco, Texas. So it's uh, that was a really good one to watch. And, man, what do you think about that Michigan finish? Yeah, Michigan, I mean, that just looks like a trap game. Illinois always seems to play them tough no matter how bad Illinois is. And Illinois is back on the rise with Bielema. So uh, you lose some of your starters. Maybe they hold them back a little bit more because they say, well, we can get by Illinois. Let's rest our guys because obviously they're looking ahead to next week. And you can't, you can't help but do that. I think when you're undefeated and so much is going to be on the line against Ohio State, of course, you're going to have some sort of games like this where you just kind of trip up with a hungry team that's got a quarterback that is experienced, that has some experience in football games, doesn't have to be big games necessarily, but um, they survive, they get the job done, they've got to rest up and heal up, and then they got that big matchup with Ohio State. The only thing I would pose with the TCU game, should Aranda, I mean, would he think that he maybe could have called timeout there? He had a couple timeouts. Do you try and ice the kicker? Because the way the Sunny Danks ran him onto the field, your kicker didn't have too much time to think about it. It was just go out there and boot it. Yeah, I mean, it could have been time for a timeout. But then that being said, it's a 52-yarder. I will say it was down the middle. And, you know, if you're going to have to run out there, I, I just think from, from aesthetics and being able to kind of line up your kick, that's the easiest. But – you know, he would have more time with the timeout. That's always debatable. I don't know what the analytics say on ice or not to ice. I would like to see it, but man, what, I mean, what a kick. I mean, George Kell, all the credit to him. He drained that. That was a beautiful. Yeah. Missing extra points, put him into that situation, but you know, it's okay when you can go ahead and make up for it when you get the opportunity. And now TCU, uh, the road is set for them. This is going to hurt them maybe from the uh, standpoint of the college football playoff. We're going to talk about that next episode, but good games. We're looking forward to it. We're going to talk about that plenty. Let's talk about the world cup. I know this is something that you're following. Uh, something that you're keeping track of, something a lot of our listeners take interest in as well. Uh, it's been kind of an interesting road to get here to Qatar and watching the World Cup in 2022, uh, just the time frame of what this is going to be played, uh, the fact that there's many professional leagues going on, and I know this has been a point of contention, but outside of all that, that that's going on, the excitement level about the fact that it is a World Cup and, and you and your friends, you know, you watch this soccer a lot more closely than I do as a as a casual fan, but this is your time. It is World Cup time, and it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the holy grail sport, in my opinion. I mean, we're the World Cup every four years. You're bringing in so many countries together. It, it is a little bit bizarre with the timing this year in the middle of the season. You know, as we've talked about in earlier episodes, that brings about a lot of uncertainty from, from a wagering standpoint and trying to pick these games. And it's more wide open than it's ever been. There's no precedence. You know, typically if you're looking at a European-based tournament, you know, historically a European team always wins. Well, we're in Qatar in the Middle East for the first time. 
we don't really know what advantage that sways. You know, I've been on record to saying that the teams with the experience and the track record that probably need the shortest time to gel are going to be the teams that are going to be the most successful. So I base my picks around that. You know, another, another little caveat that the most common World Cup score when you go back all the way back to the first World Cup in 1936 is 1-0. So anytime you're filling out brackets, which I did mine, if you don't really know and you feel an inkling one way or another, 1-0 is not a bad way to go. So, you know, my bracket was littered with that pick. Uh, so the group of death, I mean, what you know, you always hear about this. So what jumps out to you? Has there really been a solidified group of death? It could be argued that group B is going to be that group of death, but which one really jumps off the page that you think uh, does group E kind of fit that category a little bit more? Uh, where do you tend to go? What are the experts saying? You know, this is not your typical where it's a super obvious group of death, Chris. Like, I, I agree with that being said. There is... Oh, man, it's really tough. You know, one group that I, I see a little bit is, is kind of wide open is Group F, just because you, you have a mix of experienced teams that are on their last run and are desperate, and then up-and-comers. The two experienced teams, Croatia, obviously making a great run to the finals. Belgium, the last run of their golden generation. And then you've got Canada, who's there for the first time, I believe, since 1986. And... They, you know, they have Alfonso Davis. They, they have upgraded their talent immensely. They can run. They're fun to watch. And Morocco, who has been an African stalwart for some time and really hasn't done any damage for a while, but ha has some ability, you know, that they're going to be in climate that they're used to as well. So that group is very interesting. I wouldn't say, you know, Group E, I still like Germany and Spain. Um, Japan is very tough. Costa Rica it has aged. I've seen them play live against the United States. They're still running out essentially the same group that they were back in 2014. And, and then that's just not a re recipe for success. So how the table set up and starting to look at some of the opening matches, Qatar and Ecuador are going to kick things off here on Sunday, actually very, very early uh, in the morning, which is starting uh, tomorrow, really from, from when we're talking about this. So this episode will be up right up against that. Um, but then you start taking a look at Monday, and this is when people really start to pay attention, especially out here, um, because you get an afternoon game on a Monday afternoon. You know, with the holiday season, we haven't talked about the ratings much and how people are going to watch these matchups. But um, how do you see this early stage going? How do you see this early set uh, group of matches uh, coming up? You know, you've got three matches on Monday. You've got uh, another four on Tuesday, another four on Wednesday another four on Thursday, another four on Friday, as you start getting into um, uh, a lot of teams' second match. Um, and obviously the England-USA matchup on Friday, November 25th, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, that should be well watched, I think, on a Friday at 2 o'clock you know, Eastern time. I think that that's a game that a lot of people will be paying attention to. Uh, so early on, what what do you see? What do you take a look at and what jumps off the page? And uh, maybe even some selections while you're at it. I mean, there's been a lot of times that in that first World Cup match that the, the the home host has pulled a result and he's just kind of done something to really gravitate. I don't see that happening here, CG. Ecuador, to me, is one of the most underrated teams of Condable in South America. They're very consistent. They're very tough to break down. You know, Qatar, 
has nationalized a lot of players. They've raised their profile. If you're looking at the FIFA rankings, you're basically looking at a 44th ranked team against a 50th. I could see this going a draw, but in my pool, I picked Ecuador with that typical score that I brought up earlier, 1-0. So when you see these 1-0 scores with these matchups that you're watching early, uh, you take a look at that matchup there. Then you get into Monday, uh, and then this is this is the interesting group. I mean, you get the U.S. is, is going to be facing Wales. You get Senegal and Netherlands. You get England and Iran. These are all three pretty good matchups to start things off. You're going to get some of those big names that you do see. Uh, what do you see in the Monday matchups? Is there something that you feel like is going to jump off the page as a, a surprise? Um, is it going to be formful? Are you sticking with your one zeros? What do you think? I mean, for the purposes of a pool, I will a lot of it. You know, I'll go through these systematically. Let me talk a little bit about Senegal. Senegal is coming off their first Africa Cup of Nations. They are on the rise. They have pulled upsets in the World Cup before. Who can forget 2002 when they took down France coming off being the defending champions in a very thrilling match on a late finisher that I recall very well, watching very early in the morning as well. But... I think the Netherlands, you know, they have been very coy about the health status of Memphis Depay. He has essentially been on the sideline in his club ball for the last two months. But my Dutch friends here tell me that he is back in training and that he is, quote, fully fit and ready to go Monday. So I'm going to take the Netherlands 1-0, but I could see this going to draw. You know, Senegal, like I said, if you're the African Cup of Nations winner, you're probably the best team in Africa. USA Wales, uh, we can talk about the U.S. a little bit uh, right now in this matchup, and then we're going to talk more about the team and the unit they're going to be sending out. Uh, or maybe this is the time to actually reference that and talk about it. England handles Iran, I think. England has a little bit of strange form, though. If you look at some of their their, their matches coming into this, what do we take from that, if anything? Their form is strange, but, but the talent is there. They're bringing so much young talent mixed with experienced goal scorers. I mean, if you want to look at it globally, Harry Kane is the odds-on favorite for the Golden Boot. Not surprising. He was able to accomplish that at the last World Cup. He's a penalty kick taker for England. He's the number nine. He is the target man. But the young supporting cast, you got Jude Bellingham, Phil Foden, Bukayo Saka. You have so much talent. Declan Rice is just a monster there in the middle. England, you know, might have a propensity to underachieve at times, but I just think there's too much firepower there. You know, Iran is one of those teams that could potentially be an, a darling upset, but I, I say England 2-0. Okay, let's let's skip USA Wales for right now. Let's go to Tuesday. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Denmark, Tunisia, Mexico, Poland, France, Australia. Uh, the Mexico Poland match. Does does that really seem like one that has a lot of appeal on that Tuesday slate? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me personally, that has the most appeal. Uh, Mexico, Poland, that is gonna determine your second place team in that group, essentially. Um, I see that one being a very Evenly matched, bitter dogfight. I mean, you, you got Lewandowski and what his cast is going to be able to do. You know, you got Hurling Lozano from Mexico. You, you have a younger squad that maybe is not quite up to snuff to the one that pulled the huge upset in the last cup against Germany. I see that one going 1-1. I, I can't really – I think Poland scores early. 
and Mexico gets one late and, and Poland has fallen into that pattern in major tournaments in the past. So I'm going to stick with that there. I don't want to upset any of my Mexican friends, but I think a 1-1 draw is forthcoming. See, it seems like the way that you're talking about this, it seems like there's not really a hitting the panic button in these first few matches. It seems like it's just kind of hold court, hold serve. Um, you're okay with a draw. And then you really need to crank it up as you get to the late stages of, of group play or pool play, I should say. Is that the correct approach to take, though? I mean, obviously, you want the win right out of the gate, don't you? Well, yes. Obviously, if you can win the first match, your odds of advancing increase exponentially. With that being said, if you have a tough matchup in that first match and it doesn't go your way, there's no point in getting the pistol out and putting it in your mouth because there's plenty of opportunity to get back into it. You know, it's group play. Goofy things happen. You don't want to go out too tight in the first match, but many, many times you have seen tournament favorites or teams that are favored in the odds in the top four completely choke their first match against lesser opposition. So to me, it brings a lot of excitement to the table. Just hold serve and get done what you need to. Do not end your tournament right there. Don't get skunked 3 nil. Wednesday action, going to get into the day before Thanksgiving and looking forward to some good Thanksgiving. But uh, Morocco, Croatia, Germany, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Belgium, Canada. These are a lot of big names on that Wednesday uh, group of, of matches that are going to be there. Um, lots of appeal there. I, I mean, do you see an upset chance? Does Germany come into this a little bit uh, uh, overhyped, under the radar? Um, what's your analysis of the Japanese taking on Germany in that first round? That could potentially be a trap game for Germany. I mean, Germany, their, their form hasn't been quite what it should be. They're incorporating a lot of young players. You know, the, probably the most intriguing player in Germany right now is Jamal Musalia, who is actually, you know, English by birth. And he's naturalized over there. This is not your typical Germany where you just have the stalwarts. You know, they they – they're a little bit struggling. They're they're a little bit younger than they typically are. They're still Germany at the end of the day. They're strong. I see a really hard-fought match. Germany winning two, Japan one. And that's just basically on the namesake. But Japan is to be feared in that group. Like I said, that's the most wide-open group, in my opinion. Does Belgium have the most approved here? You talk about a veteran team. You talk about a team that uh, seems to come in with a lot of hype and attention seems to be favored a lot in some of these uh the pools and and when you take a look at it maybe the the pick to win this whole thing um how do you feel about belgium and canada going into that match you know belgium was my pick going into the last world cup i, I really thought their golden generation was going to get it done we're sitting here four years later they still have questions you know Batshui is a number nine that's going to be interesting i think romelo Lukaku has aged quite a bit he's not as effective but they still have that supporting cast they still have the ability to get it done that's one of those where i'm going to go with canada is going to sit back and try to counterattack and use their speed but belgium i think gets an early lead and shuts down canada and uses their experience one nil Taking a look at the Thursday slate, and this is going to wrap things up because then that's going to be the end of that first round of pool play. But on Thanksgiving, Switzerland, Cameroon, Uruguay, uh, South Korea, Portugal, Ghana, Brazil, Serbia. Are there any matchups here, any games that are going to be pulling you away from the TV from a football game on Thanksgiving uh, to watch some World Cup action instead? Shoot. I mean, 
besides the Lions game early on, I will be probably watching World Cup for the most part because it's once, I mean, Brazil-Serbia is going to be a good one. Serbia's experience or European squad, Alexander Mitrovic has been on fire for Fulham in the EPL. We've talked about him on this podcast a couple of times. And Brazil's your odds-on favorites. I mean, they're bringing like, what, eight or nine strikers to this World Cup. They are all fantastic their team is so stacked. When Gabriel, your, your starting center back for Arsenal, doesn't even make the team, that just tells you what you need to know about their depth. That's one of those, I think Brazil will be a little slow getting up to speed, and Serbia will frustrate them. And that, that's going to be a 1-0. But I, I think Brazil, as you see during the tournament, will lead the tournament in goals. Okay, so we see a lot of goals. We see a lot of possibilities. Okay, I'm going to run through this list of World Cup winner odds and who is basically favored. And I'm going to go down this list and tell me where we need to stop the cutoff. So if people are wanting to get involved, if they want to you know, take a look at some of these odds and they like some teams or they're listening to this podcast, um, here are the odds, here are the teams, where's the cutoff, where do we stop, basically? Are you getting enough value with a team that legitimately has a chance to win the whole thing? So Brazil is sitting there at uh, plus 350, so three and a half. Um, They're they're a play, right? They're obviously in contention. I mean, (laughs) Brazil hasn't won in 20 years. Obviously, if you just want to go with a chalk favorite based on their talent and their pedigree and based on the unknown situation, of playing in the Middle East and, and being just kind of a goofy anomaly here. That, that's not a bad pick. That's not who I'm going to go with. But if somebody told me they put some put some Benjamins there on Brazil, I wouldn't laugh at them. Uh, Argentina sitting at 550, so they're sitting at your second choice there at five and a half. That's my team to win it. That's who I picked. Uh, I picked them beating Brazil in the semifinals, and I picked them to win the final against France. And I, I, the reason that's a very close matchup to me between Argentina and France, but I'll give it to Messi's last run. He's still in good form. The team has had success in the international level and a 36 game winning streak. I mean, undefeated streak. There's been some draws in there and no team has repeated in quite some time since Brazil has. So we're looking at history and we know what happened last time that France showed up in a final trying to repeat the famous Zinedine Zidane headbutt with Monterazzi and and all the wheels fell off. So I give Argentina the advantage there. You talk about France. France is sitting at plus 700. Uh, They're sitting at third choice. And obviously you just gave the reasons why you would play against them in that spot. England sitting at plus 800. Uh, Do you give them that chance there? I, I think England, if they made a run, it wouldn't surprise me. I just, I don't think they're better than France. And that's where I think they're going to run into that wall right there. They're young. Spain sits at plus 800, same thing, same number. Spain too, it's the same thing. You know, they got Gavi, they got Pedri. You know, they are, they are running on young talent. They have a new generation. They're talented, they're skilled. You know, the, the Roja, they have a lot of ability there, but I, I don't think it's their tournament. Germany sits at plus 1100 so you're going to get a pretty good return there if Germany wins it yeah I, I, I wouldn't touch that my favorite long shot I've already hinted to that one Netherlands is sitting at plus 1200 I don't think so the Dutch typically implode they will have an internal meltdown at some point during this tournament I see them beating the United States in the second round but they will not beat Argentina 
Uh, Belgium sitting there at plus 1800. I mean, that's my favorite value pick. Uh, I've been touting them in various tournaments, the Euro, the World Cup. I like to see when a, a country like that puts together a group and it actually happens and works out. And, you know, you saw it a little bit with Portugal before in the Euro. So there's some possibility for it. I'm not going to bet on it, but I do have Belgium in my final four. Denmark is sitting there at plus 2,800 right now. You know, it would be a real great story if Christian Eriksen and company could get it going. I, I like the Danish team. Uh, the, they're analytics darlings. So many of their players are underrated. They're, they're highly skilled. They make the right plays, but I, I don't see it happening. It, it, it's a bridge too far. Uruguay is sitting there at plus uh, 4,000. So, so now that one is very interesting in the sense that there's been a lot of action on Darwin Nunez famed Liverpool striker and a young gun to be a golden boot winner. And when you combine him with Edinson Cavani, who's about 35 years old and Luis Suarez, 36 years old, these are two galloping ghosts on their last run. You know, that Uruguay, I have them losing to Belgium in the quarterfinals and they barely squeaked in in South American qualifying, which makes it interesting. But Anytime you have that veteran talent, Luis Suarez, more famous for biting than he should be for his football, even though he is a phenomenal striker. At, at the end of the day, I would like to see them make a run. I, I like it when a, a small country that has historically won two cups goes at it, but I don't see it going this year, Chris. Well, talk about that golden boot. You wanted to have a quick discussion on the golden boot and, and just what you were thinking there as you're taking a look at a player from Uruguay, and then I'll come back to this list, but where, the golden boot and the, how it plays in and, and what it means for the World Cup, where, where are you at with that? Yeah, that one is tough. One value that I like, and you could go either way on this. I, I, I went one way because of my pick for the title. I like it plus 1,000, depending where you're going to Messi or Neymar. That, to me, there's a lot of value there. Both of those teams, I, I, I think, are pretty solid to get to at least the semifinals, which obviously games played are going to be a major factor in your ability to score goals. Uh, I'm going to go with Messi, but, you know, above him, you got Harry Kane plus 700, Kylian Mbappe at plus 800, Kareem Benzema at plus 1,200. That guy is a big game monster goal machine. We've seen it for Real Madrid. We've seen it for France. I could see him putting in a ton of goals. Ones that I don't really like is Ronaldo at plus 1,600. Not exactly in form. And, and Portugal could very easily wash out in the group stage. Uh, when you start talking about, talking about golden boots and talking about the correlation between winning and the World Cup, is there a real significant comparison? I mean, does it, does it kind of match up? Is it similar to the MVP needs to be on a good squad kind of thing? I mean, not necessarily. I've never really deep dive into it, but I mean, when Miroslav Klose scored all those goals for Germany and became the all-time leading cup score, Germany won. So there's obviously positive correlation. It really depends how you run your system. You know, the reason I would maybe take Messi down a tick or even Neymar, those are, I think, are both good value, but they have other goal scorers in the group. They, they have other options. They're not reliant, you know? I mean, if Let's say like Poland was on some kind of magical run, which I doubt happens. Lewandowski scores a majority of their goals. And it really depends on how your team is built and set up. But when you're looking at a Brazil or Argentina, you know, a lot of it, a lot of Argentina's play is off creativity from Messi 
though he is their PK taker and their free kick taker, he might get goals there. You know, it's just, it's just a lot of it. If you're the penalty kick taker and the free kick taker and the number nine, then, and your team makes a run games played are important golden boot. You know, it's a fascinating one. I mean, Alvaro Morata is at plus 2,200 for Spain, but hey, he's their penalty kick taker and they could make a run too. So there's a lot of value there. Let's jump back on the list here. Croatia sitting at plus 5,000 or 501, whatever you think. What do you think there? I don't see Croatia getting out of the. Yeah, Croatia doesn't get out of the group stage. You know, that, that was a great run last time. They're coming back with mainly the same talent. You know, Luka Modric, I believe, is 37 years old coming into this tournament. You know, I think the magic has lost, and, and they bow out on the group stage. Serbia sits at plus 8,000. Switzerland sits at plus 10,000. Uh, so you get, you're getting 80 to 1, 100 to 1, basically, Serbia, Switzerland. You know, any of those Serbia I have getting out of the group, I think Switzerland's going to be a little bit of a bust. Um, Serbia has the experience. They're scrappy. I like Mitrovic. They also got Dusan Tadic. Very creative player. Switzerland, Granite, Jaka. No, Switzerland does nothing. I think they actually finished last in their group behind Cameroon. Then you take a look at Senegal. You take a look at Ecuador. You take a look at Mexico. They're all sitting there at uh, 125, 150, and 150 for Mexico as well. Any of those three, Olapio? No. I mean, not, not as far as long shots. I mean, you're getting into the weeds now at this point. I have Mexico losing on goal differential to Poland to get it. I have them drawing head to head, but I have them bowing out in the group stage. Same thing with Senegal, Ecuador. I have them advancing, but they're, they're not going to beat England. And then we get to Poland here at 150. Yeah, it'll be a great story. They're, they're going to make it to the second round and France will crush them 2-0. And we get to finally here uh, where I think the cutoff is going to be the USA at 150 as well. Uh, talk about this U.S. team. Talk about that that chance at 150 to 1, basically. It says 15,000 plus 15,000, but basically 150 to 1. Yeah, I mean, the United States is intriguing. I mean, to me, I really believe that first game is critical. We talked a little bit about that on episode 33, that essentially the odds are pretty even, maybe slightly U.S. ahead, Wales, draw being likely. But if the United States can take it 1-0, and it'll be a very hard-fought game that puts them in a position where they can breathe a little bit. That first win makes it so much easier. You know, when you look back in 2002, when they beat Portugal in the first game, when the U.S. can win their first game in the Cup, they do better. Historically, that's been played out. I want to see that here. I, I look at that as a very favorable deal. One very quirky stat that unless you're a United States soccer fan to the core, you don't know this, but the United States has a winning record against England in the World Cup. It's almost unfathomable when you consider the soccer legacy, the football legacy. But that being said, I think the U.S. can get a draw against them. So in that scenario, I look at it where they probably lose the group to England. I, I'm going to have them beating Iran in 1998. Ali Dai crushed the American dreams. 
And Iran pulled one of the biggest upset and completely cart tipped over the apple cart for the United States. And I, I think the United States gets revenge against Iran. The United States finishes second in the group. You know, it's going to be intriguing to see, Chris, how the U.S. lines up in the starting lineup. Do they go? We've talked a lot about issues with the number nine and who's going to score goals. Are they going to line up in a situation where they have a false nine and they run their wingers because the wingers unquestionably are the strength of their team right now. So, you know, I look at their winger pool right now. You've got Christian Pulisic, you know, phenomenal player. You've got Claudio Reina, who could potentially be your false number nine. Timothy Weah, who, who has been outstanding in France. And then Brendan Arison, who has come on big time for Leeds. That's probably four of your top six best players right there. You know, do you find a way to get all four of them on the pitch or do you go back into our number nine debate where you have the Jesus Ferreira, the MLS darling, you got Josh Sargent kind of waiting to launch, you know, a little bit of problems in the Bundesliga and the championship, but still a really solid player or what could be very intriguing. You go with Haji Wright, the surprise man to make the roster who has 20 goals in the Turkish top league and Alice Spore and is really a hot hand. And maybe that's intriguing. I don't know if you put Haji as the number nine and see what he does, or do you put Claudio Reina as a false number nine? There's a lot of debate in U.S. soccer circles, so we'll have to see how that goes. Is this the best team that the U.S. could have fielded, in your opinion? I mean, they have, on paper, what club they play for, they're still youthful. This is, quote, the best U.S. team. But the gold standard is still, in my opinion, United States soccer is a 2002 team that took Germany to the brink of an upset. And they played that counterattacking style, and they had some young guns. There's some similarities here. You know, Weston McKinney is a stud in Serie A. They have players that are getting it done in the top leagues, and more so than ever. So there's hope. But we got to see how it all gels. Like I said, this is going to be difficult to see how everything melds together and how it fits. You know, I'm but a do little you, bit... but do you but in a World Cup, do you have that time to figure out these things? Do you have time to figure out is this going to gel and it works? I mean, how how urgent is the urgency, I guess? I mean, sometimes it works and it doesn't. I mean, obviously it, it, it's gravely urgent. I mean, if you lose that first game to Wales, you're you're in deep doo-doo. I mean, you're looking at it where you need to get a result against England. That's not guaranteed. England could wipe the floor with you, you know, 3-1 easily. And your defense is not that strong. You know, your keeper situation is not as strong as Vanessa. That's Timmy Howard is long gone. He'll be announcing the games. You know, and then Iran historically has taken you down in upset moments, and they're very scrappy and have performed extremely well in Asian qualifying. So it, it's going to be really tough, you know. I look at it like you got Walker Zimmerman as your center back. That's been an issue in the past. In 2018, when the United States failed to qualify, it was poor defense, a lot by Omar Gonzalez, who basically has not gotten a sniff of the national team since that time. You got Tim Ream back in there based on his performance for Fulham as a starter. He's probably going to win next to them. You United States fans are, you know, are doing the ice bucket challenge as a result of seeing that name as a potential starter. So, you know, there's a lot of factors there, but you know, the Homer in me says, Hey, go USA, baby. 
Yeah. What's the most catastrophic thing you could see happening to some of these teams? Uh, you know, who's got the most potential for a snowball of just bad things happening and they get an early exit, or you could just see that the, the, pretty much they're done. Is Portugal the team that's in that category? Yeah. Por- Portugal could easily get upset by Korea. You know, Sun Min, one of our favorite players on this podcast, Portugal is in serious danger. And then Croatia, I had Portugal sneaking in just because this is probably Ronaldo's last hurrah. Who knows? Portugal is not too far away from taking a major trophy. I, I, I think it's just Croatia. They're on their last legs. And, you know, Morocco's a little bit upstart. That was my biggest upset. I wanted to put one, at least one African team into the second round. And most people, I think, in that regard, were going Senegal on recent performance. I decided to pivot a little bit and go with Morocco. If we Before we finish up on this whole topic and get people into the World Cup and have people start watching some matches, uh, who's the team out there that you're just you're, you're flabbergasted, you don't understand what they're doing? What's the direction? Why are they doing this? Is there a squad out there that as they're entering the World Cup, you just, you, you just can't understand what, what, the, what the target is? Are these moves risky? Are they doing the right thing? Is there a team like that for you? I mean, not really. Like I said, the Dutch are kind of the biggest mystery, right? Because you're looking at the player that they run their entire offense through. He takes their corners. He does their free kicks. He's he's their target player. Memphis Depay, he hasn't played for a couple months. And that's very unusual for somebody to just show up the first day of the cup and they are a top 10 world player. So they're going to have to be relying on others. And, you know, when they make these groups, I think there's some weighted balls (laughs) when they put it together. You got Qatar, you got Senegal, you got Ecuador. They laid it up kind of nice, and they're also kind of weak. So I could see them falling off. And if they were able to fall off, that opens that window for the United States, right? The United States actually has some potential to maybe make a run to the quarterfinals with some upsets. So... Maybe the Netherlands is a team that, that potentially sinks in the quicksand. And then take me again to your final four. Uh, so you're on on the record. Uh, who is your final four going into this? Uh, who ends up in the third place matchup? And then who is going to be your final two? Okay. In the first semifinal, I have Argentina versus Brazil. I have that a very close match. It could go either way. Honestly, flip a coin. I have Argentina winning that 1-0, obviously for historical precedent. And my second semifinal, you know, I have the border war between France and Belgium. And I think France wins that one 2-0, too much firepower. Belgium's just runs out of gas. And then we have the final, Argentina, 1-0 against France. In the third place game, I have Brazil thumping Belgium 2-0. So that's your top four right there, Argentina, France, Brazil with the bronze, and then Belgium is the fourth place finisher. Wow, I love it. Got to listen back. Make sure you guys write that down, record it. How many of the matches will you actually think you can you can watch during this whole segment? Like start to finish, how many of these matches can you actually enjoy? Oh, uh, well, a lot of it's going to depend on workload. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I got a big acquisition going on, so I might not get in as much. Like I'm already set to miss part of the United States game, and I'm very, very displeased that I'll have to be logging off on the 60th minute to get on a conference call. So a lot of it depends there. But I can tell you this, Chris, like I will have it on in the background without the sound in my office the entire time, every match. I will be getting up early. 
I will be consuming it as much as possible. And lastly, on the way out, not even a last word, which fan base will a World Cup victory mean more to than any fan base, any country out there? Oh, man, you're really putting me on the spot here. I mean, we're going to get hate mail for this. Um, <laughs> I mean, I always got to say England, you know, the English fans. It's going to be going more out to the Middle East. It's kind of teed up for them to make a strong run. They have the talent. If if they're able to do it for the first time since '66, you know they're, they're going to be they're they're going to be in rapture mode. I mean they're they're going to be going straight to heaven. So and then, and also Argentina as well. You know, Messi. Nah, you can't hedge. You can't hedge. You're hedging a little bit, but I don't blame you. I I, I think I think the audience out there will understand. England. No, we don't want to replay the Falkland Islands War. So no, we're going to go with England. <laughs> Enjoy the World Cup. Make sure you guys wrote down those picks and those selections. Gave you a ton of knowledge. Texas, Texas Mike, he knows this stuff start to finish. So enjoy all the matchups, and we'll see how it does progress. And obviously, we'll cover it here on this show. We'll see you guys here with another episode. Hopefully, you enjoyed this one full segment on the World Cup. Enjoy it. Last word, World Cup, before we get out of here, Texas Mike. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time.